if the British Empire and its Commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will still say, this was a fight. Small step for man, but giant leap for man. What your country can do for you, and what you can do to do for you. Contrived to maintain such a grinning measure of the will not When we understand how the universe began, that will give us a passion to begin the way it did. And a feeling of justice toward those who still suffer within our country, whether they be white or whether they be white. been given a bad grade. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to a long overdue episode of Kids in History. Um, Yeah, it's been a long time, and uh, I apologize for that. I am your host, Daniel Instead. I'm here always with my son, Bryce. Bryce, how are you doing? Great. Great. You, you, You excited to be back doing an episode? Yeah. Yeah, we're sorry, you know, real life happens, but now we are back on a routine, and our goal is to release an episode every two weeks, be more consistent with that, but hey, you never know, we're going to try, don't hold it against us, Um, and then uh, maybe one of these days in the future we'll be able to do a uh, an episode a week, but to jump into this episode... Um, I just want to warn people uh, while we do this series, um, we will be using some words that might offend some people. We don't mean to offend people, but um, in order to tell the story correctly, these are words that were used uh, in that time. So if you're offended, I apologize, but I just want to put that uh, warning out there. We do not mean to offend anyone. The kid that we are going to be uh, talking about is uh, Claudette uh, Colvin, and uh, she is a figure that most people have never heard of. We basically want to talk about her because she is a huge, huge, important aspect to civil rights, and it's time that she got her due. Um, and so this is the the kid we chose to do uh, this episode with. There's a lot of details in this episode, huh, Bryce? Yeah. So uh, it, we're probably going to break it into a two-part series just because we try to keep our episodes between 20 to 30 minutes, and we, we don't want to go too long. So we're probably going to break this episode into a two-part series. And yeah, we'll just see how it goes. You excited for this? Yeah. Okay. So let's jump into it. Um, so like I said, we're going to be talking about Claudette Colvin. Claudette Colvin is an American pioneer of the 1950s civil rights movement. Um, and she eventually retired as a nurse's aide. Uh, now what she is known for, or what I should say is not known for, is on March tw- 2nd, 1955, she was arrested at the age of 15, only 15 years old, in Montgomery, Alabama, for refusing to give up her seat to a white woman. That sounds like a similar story, huh? Yeah, like Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks, that's who everyone hears about. Um, well, Claudette Coven... She was act- the first. She was the first. She actually did it nine months before Rosa Parks. Yeah. Which is hard to believe. Why haven't we heard about her? We always hear about, and I know when I was in your your age, Bryce, uh, I know 
at school, I always learned about Rosa Parks. Same uh, with me too. Yeah. Um, so if you want to figure out why you never heard of Claudette Colvin, stay tuned to this episode because we're going to try and explain why <laughs> <laughs> or not. I don't know. We'll see how we do. Um, well, let's begin. Claudette Colvin, uh, she was born in uh, Birmingham, Alabama um, in September 5th, 1939. She was raised by her great aunt, I believe, and they lived in a small town, Pine Level, level yeah. Alabama, a kind of suburb of uh, Montgomery, Alabama. And she lived there up until she was eight years old to when they moved to Montgomery. Now, during the era that she lived in, there's a little thing called segregation. Um, Bryce, when you hear that word segregation, what do you think of? I think of like being... Um, two different races being separated. Yeah, and that's it's kind of unheard of. Like, yeah, when you first heard of that, how did you feel? I was like, I felt like it was messed up because there was kids of all different races in my class. I was like, wait, but that's why would they do that? Yeah, what was the point? Yeah. Uh, so segregation meant black people could not use the same restrooms, hospital, pools, churches. They couldn't even eat in the same restaurant together. Um, they even had separate cemeteries where um, black people were buried in, away from white people. And of course, they had to be separa uh, separated while taking buses or trains. Transportation. Transportation. Thank you. Couldn't think of that word. <laughs> <laughs> um what it looked like for a black, uh, black person uh, to use a bus in Montgomery, Alabama, in the 1950s. To give you an idea, um, since this is where most of the story, the central part of the story is, takes place, is on a bus. Yeah. So what does the segregation on a bus in Montgomery in 1950s look like? Well, buses had only 36 seats, uh, with the first four rows being reserved for white passengers only. So even if the bus was crammed and, and the first four rows were left empty, black passengers still had to stand. And if the first four rows filled up with white passengers, the bus driver will order black passengers to give up their seats to additional white passengers. And if there were three black people sitting in a row and one white person wanted to sit in that row, all three black people had to get up. Pretty mess up, messed yeah. up. And even to humiliate black uh, passengers even more, if there were any white passengers sitting in the first four rows, when they paid their fare to get on the bus, they then had to exit the bus, go to the back, and get go on through the back exit in order to sit down in the black section. Jeez. And then this part is, which really is kind of outrageous, Bus drivers at the time were hired to enforce Jim Crow rules on their bus. Um, a city ordinance at the time gave them police powers on their bus. Some even wore pistols as they're driving Jeez. the bus. Yeah, so I don't think the bus drivers were hired for either their driving skills or their guest service skills. <laughs> it was more of an enforcer skill, which is kind of messed up. You wouldn't have, It's probably illegal now for a bus driver to have a gun while... On the job. Yes, I do not think that they are allowed to carry carry armed weapons on a bus. So, I did mention something called uh, Jim Crow laws. What do you think Jim Crow laws are? 
Um, I think they're the laws that were made to keep African Americans and other races from voting in the South. Yes. So after the Civil War, the slaves were set free and slavery was deemed illegal. You couldn't own a slave. Um, There was a lot of injustice put to black people in order uh, by Southerners um, and even in Northern states, too, if we want to be honest, um, to keep uh, black people from gaining any power, um, basically trying to keep them in their place. Um, And these laws were called Jim Crow laws. And at the time Claudette Colvin lived, these Jim Crow laws basically ruled the South. Uh, What is a Jim Crow law? So Jim Crow was a set of laws that kept races separated from one another called segregation. Um, It created unequal opportunities, unfair rules, prevented financial advancement of black people. Jim Crow laws were enforced through insults, threats, and violence. So it wasn't just, you know, police officers um, enforcing the law. It was more of a culture. Just like if uh, someone did something wrong, they'd all be angry and fight them. Yeah, so if, let's say, a black family walked into a whites-only restaurant, all the white people are the, no, I wouldn't say all the white people, but most of the people eating at the restaurant and the owners or whatever, they'll probably yell at the black family and insult them and stuff to kick them out. Yeah. Um, But why did they call it Jim Crow? So who, what is a Jim Crow? <laughs> um, So doing some research, um, this is what I found out. So throughout the 1830s and up until the 1950s, there were a number of uh, small shows, kind of like vaudeville shows, I guess, uh, where white performers would appear in blackface to make fun of African-American customs and cultures. Um, And a song that was in a lot of these shows was called Jump Jim Crow. Um, And that song became so popular that they even created a character called Jim Crow and then I guess the people who made uh, segregation laws thought it would be funny to name the law Jim Crow. Yeah. So that's kind of a, a background of what type of world Claudette Colvin was uh, growing up in um, and what basically she faced daily. Um, but now let's get to the, the meat of the story. What actually happened on the day of March uh, second, 1955. Um, Claudette Coven, uh, was going to, she was actually at an all black school and they were learning about Negro history month. I call it that because back then that's what black history month. So that's what they called it. Yeah. Um, and Cla- Claudette was learning about a lot of black leaders such as Harriet Tubman. Do you know who Harriet Tubman is? She was one of the um underground railroads like leaders and she helped save hundreds of slaves from slavery yeah um after learning about her she also learned about sojourner truth um do you know who she is i don't know sojourner truth uh she was a former slave who later became free um and became a huge uh activist for women's rights oh um, and so during this time, Claudette was learning about all these black leaders who basically saying, why are we being treated di- different? Um, we are human like everyone else. We should be treated like everyone else. So they're looking for equal rights, you know? 
at this moment, this is what was going on in Claudette's head. So um, in one of her classes, um, they had also been talking about the injustices that were they were experiencing daily under the Jim Crow segregation laws. Yeah. What are some injustices do you think that she was probably facing? Probably um, she wasn't able to go to, like, grocery stores. I also heard that to measure... Uh, to like buy f- shoes, they couldn't actually use their feet to measure. They had to like draw their feet out on paper and use that as a measurement, so they wouldn't like mess up the shoes. Apparently, yeah, because they couldn't try on the shoes. Yeah, because a white person might try on the shoes, and they couldn't even think that a black person actually put their foot in that shoe. Um, and then also they didn't want, um any of the the white employees to touch a black person's feet. It's it got that crazy, you know? Yeah. Um so th- these are all the things that are, you know, uh, Claudette is up against um in the challenges that she faces. Um so on March 2nd, 1955, Claudette got out of school early due to there are some fa- faculty meetings going on that day, I guess. And she walked with a few friends a couple of blocks um where they caught where they got on a bus to to go home. And when they got onto the bus, the white section was empty. Um, and Claudette sat down into a window seat near the rear exit. Uh, she placed her books on her lap so that other classmates could sit next to her. Um, and as the bus got closer to their house, um, the bus started to fill up. And the white section quickly filled up. Claudette noticed a white lady standing by her row and it was clear that she wanted her and her classmates to move so she could take their seats yeah i actually heard there's a pregnant woman also that was complaining she didn't want to she didn't want to and couldn't get up from the one of the seats and that also in, sort of inspired Claudette. yeah so you you'll actually um as we dive into more of what happened that lady will come up but yeah that that's you know that's something that she probably dealt with on a daily basis and every day. And now the the white woman is standing next to Claudette. Um, Claudette knows that she's going to have to give up her seat. And sure enough, the bus driver yells out, you know, give up those seats. So Claudette's classmen's they all get up and they move, um, which left three empty seats next to Claudette. But the white woman still would not sit down. Uh <laughs> Um, I guess she really didn't want to sit next to Claudette. And this is actually a quote from Claudette. She said, my head was just too full of black history. You know, the oppression that we all went through. It felt like Sojourner Truth was on one side pushing me down and Harriet Tubman was on the other side pushing me down. I could not get up. So that's something that uh, Claudette said later on. Yeah. Um, So... When it was clear that Claudette was not going to give up her seat, the driver yelled again, why are you still sitting there? Claudette kept silent and did not move. Then another white passenger yelled, you got to get up. So again, we see the whole. Everyone enforcing the Jim Crow laws. Yeah. And you got to see. So Claudette's 15 years old. All of a sudden she has two adults yelling at her to get up. So then after that, she still didn't get up. Now, frustrated, the driver pulled up and stopped the bus. And back then, because they're all about enforcing their transit policemen. Yeah. Um, so he 
when he saw a transit policeman at a at one of the bus stops, he stopped the bus and yelled for the the transit policeman uh, for help. And at this point, additional passengers boarded the bus. So this is where we get into the pregnant lady that you're talking about. Yeah. So when the other passengers got onto the bus, they didn't know what was going on. And Claudette's neighbor, Miss Hamilton, who was visibly pregnant at the time, uh, she sat down next to Claudette. Uh, the ne- so <laughs> the, she doesn't know what's going on in the situation. Yeah. And she just sits down because she knows Claudette because that's her neighbor. Um, and so the next thing she saw was a transit policeman storming down the aisle towards her. And he ordered her and Claudette both to move. A tired and weary Miss Hamilton replied that she did not feel like getting up. And so now she's telling them that she doesn't want to get up. <laughs> the transit officer then addresses the other black passengers to tell them to give one of their seats to the pregnant Miss Hamilton. Two black men ended up giving up their seats to Miss Hamilton, and she reluctantly moved to one of the seats. Claudette still refused to move, so Claudette is back to being by herself. Yeah. The transit police officer informed the bus driver at this point that there was nothing else he could do but call the police. And so the driver, he still had to continue on his route, so the transit police officer got off the bus um, and called the cops, and the bus driver continued. So he probably told the cops, like... To, like, meet him at the next stop or something. Yeah. At the next stop, two policemen were waiting for the bus. So just think about the tension that was building up in Claudette. Um, poor Claudette. She's probably getting very scared right now. Yeah. Because she already, t- during that time, you weren't allowed to talk back to white people. And here she is, a young black girl defying the laws that were in place back then. And she probably really felt all by herself. Yeah. Even though she was on a bus full of people. When the bus stopped and the two policemen got on, the driver pointed at Claudette and one of the officers said, that's nothing new. I had trouble with that thing before. He shouted at Claudette to get up, but Claudette still held her ground and refused. Um, but at this point, she started crying. Then she started to repeat out loud, it's my constitutional right to sit here as much as that lady. I paid my fare. It's my constitutional right. The cops then grabbed her and pulled her out of the seat. Her school books that were on her lap went flying everywhere. Claudette knew that she she couldn't fight back. So she just went limp and the cops basically dragged her backwards off the bus. <laughs> it's I, I could just imagine the scene, you know, what was going on on the bus, the people witnessing it. Uh, but she was smart. She didn't fight back. Because who knows what they would have done to her if she did. One of the cops actually kicked her as she screamed, it's her constitutional right. So she was screaming that all the way as they're dragging her. And one of the cops kicked her still, even though she wasn't doing anything. She messed up. And then at that, once they got her off the, the bus, they put her in the back of the police car and handcuffed her. Claudette began to pray because she was so scared, not knowing what the cops going to do or where they were going to take her on the drive the officers started making fun of her and using the n-word since claudette was only 15 years old she thought they were going to take her to a juvenile court but instead they took her straight to a police station where more cops started yelling profanity at her calling her thing while they were booking her it's messed up and then they took her to the city jail for adults 
um, and locked her in a cell. So right now, they're not even treating her as a juvenile. They're treating they're her as an adult. They're treating her as like filth. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I'm sure it was a common thing back then. Um, but how would you feel like if all you're doing was sitting on the bus and you didn't get up to give your the the seat to someone and you're 15 or you're, let's say it's your age, you're still juvenile and a uh, bunch of cops drag you off the bus and they throw you in jail. I'd probably feel like angry and really sad at the same time. Yeah. So I believe um, she was in the cell for about an hour or so, maybe longer. But you remember Miss Hamilton was on the bus, so she witnessed this, right? Yeah. So she called Claudette's mom and let her know what happened. So Claudette's mom and her pastor, Reverend Johnson, to bail her out of jail that night. And when she got back to their house, all the neighbors were there to greet her and tell her how proud of her they were. But that night, the whole neighborhood stood watch in case the Klan, and that's the Ku Klux Klan, yeah. came to try and lynch Claudette. So even at that time, they knew how much of a big deal this was. Yeah. And, you know, Claudette wasn't the first person that refused to get up, first black person to give up their seats. Yeah. But she was one of the ones that actually made a difference on the Constitution. Yes. And that's what we're going to get into and why her case is so significant uh, to the start of the civil rights movement. Yeah. But yeah, it's scary that. You know, her whole neighborhood have to stand watch that night because they're afraid that the Ku Klux Klan was going to come and take her away and lynch her. Okay, so before we go on to see what happens to Claudette's from this point uh, after she's arrested, because she's going to have to go to court, yeah, because uh, there are charges against her. Um, I want to talk about um, because now we're going to start talking about the the. The NAACP, because this is when they come into the story. What is the NAACP? The NAACP was the main, well, not the main, but one of the um, associations that helped, like, um, whites for um, black people. Yeah, so the NAACP stands for the National Association of Advancement of Colored People. Um, It was formed in 1909 in New York City by both blacks and white people um, that were looking for social justice. And their main goal was to defend the rights of people of color. And then from once that its formation, it quickly expanded to cities throughout the country. So its own little chapters in each little city. Yeah. So for Montgomery, Edie Nixon was the chapter's president for the NAACP. And there was also Rosa Parks. I th- I heard that um, th- there was the NAACP youth group, and um, Claudette Coven's mentor was actually Rosa Parks. Yes, which is, there's going to be a lot of big names coming up pretty soon. Yeah. And it's interesting how it all started with Claudette. Yeah. And we haven't she started a spark. Yeah, and we really haven't heard anything about her, um, and yet she was the beginning, uh, which is it blows my mind. So once uh, Edie Nixon heard of her getting arrested, her situation, she got uh, Fred Gray, 
um, who was a lawyer, a young black lawyer, to re- represent Claudette Coven. Edie Nixon then organized a committee of black leaders in Montgomery to meet with the police commissioner. And at that meeting was a young Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who was on the committee at the time. Wow. That's yeah. a lot of people. Yes. A lot uh, of the big names must have been in Montgomery. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of the, the young listeners out here know who Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is. And then this is what you're talking about. So Edie Nixon then also got uh, Claudette in touch with Rosa Parks, who at the time was a secretary for the Montgomery NAACP. Um, but as you said, she was also in charge of uh, the youth group for the NAACP. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to dive into her, basically her having to go in front of a judge for what she's done and hear what they're going to charge her with. Um, so Claudette Coven was charged with three counts. Well, what do you think they charged her with? Um, probably fighting, fighting, staying on the police, staying on the bus for, without, for, um, too long and not getting off. Probably fake charged her for, like, fighting police officers and then, um, I can't, I don't know what the third one was. Yeah, so the three uh, counts that they charged her was with violating segregation laws, disturbing the peace, which I don't know how she did that, yeah. and then assaulting a police officer. She got kicked by the police <laughs> officer. It makes no sense. I know. It's just... There, maybe I'll, later on, if I could find it, uh, I'll read from the what the police officer reported. Um, happened. Um, but with the police officer's testimony that, oh, so here it is. So the police officer's testimony, uh, said that Claudette kicked and scratched him, even though witnesses on the bus testified that this did not happen. But all the witnesses that actually didn't lie were probably black. So the, um, the judge, not the, um, judge, and all the people watching probably just said it was probably lies. Yeah, they didn't care what the black witnesses had to say, huh? Yeah. Mr. Gray, who's uh, Claudette's uh, lawyer, insisted uh, that Claudette think about the hazards of pleading not guilty to the charges against her, especially the violating segregation laws. So you remember we discussed that Claudette wasn't the first person to not give up her seat. Yeah. But she is the first person to plead not guilty. And that's the important part of this this story. The reason why people pled guilty was because they wanted they, they just want to move on and yeah. they feared what was get less happen. of a um like court case. Yeah, sentencing, yeah, fines, um, but also retribution. Retribution um that would come about you know, because they're going to be a spotlight on you. Um, yeah. They feared lynching, um, their house being blown up and things like that. So, but by doing this, which by pleading not guilty would be challenging Jim Crow's laws and could face obvious dangers. Claudette, without hesitation, Claudette and her parents stated that she was not going to plead guilty. And in doing this, Fred Gray hoped to use Claudette's case to show how segregation laws was unconstitutional. And so he... And the black um, leaders on the committee of the NAACP, they were going to use this as a platform to start the bus boycott. Yeah. And the idea of a bus boycott was nothing new. But since buses and 
were the main way of transportation because not very many people had cars. Um, buses were like really important, so it was really hard for people to actually hold on to a bus boycott for long. Yes, and the reason why, but the reason why they want to try and do a bus boycott was to get reform. But up until this point, it, it always failed. But the civil rights activists were waiting for the right moment. So when Claudette got arrested for not giving up her seat, um, Edie Nixon, the leader of the Montgomery NAACP, thought that her case might be the perfect civil rights case. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so Claudette's hearing was held on March 18th, 1955. And after hearing testimonies from both sides, the judge ruled that she was guilty on all three charges. There's Since the judge was definitely white because um, it was probably very hard for black people to become, become judges, the judge probably just, from the second the case started, he probably didn't even like completely listen to the testimonies. He just knew he was going to have her be guilty for all of them. Yeah, and this was something that um, her lawyer, Gray, and also the black leaders, and also the black leaders in Montgomery, they knew this was going to happen. They actually wanted this to happen. Yeah. Because they, they want to appeal her case to the next higher court. Yeah. And ultimately, hopefully, get it to the Supreme Court. But Claudette, she's 15. She doesn't know what's going on. She just heard that she's a criminal, right? She yeah. got found guilty, um, and it devastated her. Um, she broke into sobs, and in her mind, she was a criminal with a police record. You know, Claudette, Claudette was a very smart girl. She got, always got good grades, and she wanted to go to college. And she she thought that this was going to ruin her future f- for, you know, all of her opportunities that she might have. But she didn't know that would probably help millions. Yeah. So the NAACP raised money to appeal Claudette's case, um, which they did. And on May 6, 1955, Fred Gray appealed her case to the circuit court. Um, so this is the next court. You have the state yeah. court, circuit court, and then the federal court. And the judge ended up dismissing two out of three charges against Claudette. So they dismissed disturbing the peace and the big one, violating segregation laws. But they still had her assaulting a police officer. Yes, and that was kind of like the dagger at the end of it um, because by – and the judge knew what they were doing. So by dismissing the, the her violating segregation laws, it basically – stopped any chance of them appealing to a higher court. Yeah. But also the judge wanted to make sure she was punished. So he kept the assaulting a police officer charged. This is what basically it gave Claudette a criminal record and it took away any credibility and possibility um, of her trying to use the ANAACP to use her as a spokesperson for their cause. So it basically put everything on hold. So now we have Claudette. She's 15. She just went through this traumatic event. Basically, they she just has to go back to school yeah. um, and on with her life, you know? But there's kind of a target on her back because everyone knows what happened. It's been in the papers. I'm sure she's getting some mean looks by people on the streets. Yeah. But I think this will be a good part to stop at. <laughs> what do you think? Sure. 
and we'll pick up on part two later on. Um, and in part two, we're gonna we're gonna talk more about Rosa Parks. Um, she plays obviously a critical role in uh, Claudette's story, and then we'll go into the bus boycott because there ended up being a bus boycott, and then something that people really don't know about and how Claudette. So yeah, we're saying that Claudette was uh, she was as you said the spark that that kind of launched the civil rights yeah. movement. Um, but she was also a part of a very, very big court case about segregation yeah. um, that no one ever heard about as well. But that's going to be in part two. So stay tuned, everybody. And before we go, I just want to uh, talk about our resources that we use for this episode. So we got some information from uh, NPR, um, an article that was written on March 15th. Uh, 2009. Um, but majority of the f- information we got from a book um, called Claudette Coven Twice Towards Justice by Philip Hoos. It's a great book. It's a very easy read. I recommend it. Yeah. Any uh, listener out there that uh, wants to learn more about Claudette, please pick up the book because it, it, it helped us a lot with the information and the research that we did. Until then... We will see everyone or everyone could hear us for part two. So stay tuned. And I promise it's not going to take a year to come out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope everyone has a wonderful day and we'll see you next time on Kids in History. Thank Bye. you.